0: This video is sponsored by NordVPN. Improve your online security and access movie and TV libraries from around the world. Go to nordvpn.com slash Merle or use the promo code Merle for more offers. And stay tuned at the end of this video for more info. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special video here on the channel. Strap in because we've got a lot of Batman coming your way. If you know me, you know that I am a huge Batman fan. He's my favorite superhero. He has been ever since I was a kid. Late last year when Spider-Man No Way Home came out, I did a ranking video of all the Spider-Man movies, and I had a really good time. So with the Batman hitting theaters very soon, I wanted to do a ranking video for Batman, but I thought, why would I just do the movies? That doesn't sound very fun. It's going to be the same video seen before. or bad, Nolan Good. Where's the fun in that? So I decided to go one step further. I wouldn't just rank the theatrically released Batman films, I wanted to rank every single feature-length film featuring Batman that has ever been made. So here's how this works. If the movie has Batman in the title, it's eligible. This covers movies from the DC Animated Universe. This covers movies from, obviously, the Warner Brothers Live Action Universe. There was a little subjectivity in the whole process as well, though, because I also included some movies that I thought Batman was a critical element of. So you'll see some Justice League animated movies on this count. Down as well. Some things that were also not eligible, things like the Batman serials. I didn't deem those to be feature length films. Plus, that is a lot of watch time that I quite frankly didn't have, and things that would have been TV specials or things like that did not count for example the live action justice league movie neither version is in this cut because i didn't feel like batman was the key component to the film and that's really the key here is batman the key component to each of these movies so when it came down to it there were 44 movies that i deemed eligible and yes i watched every single one of them and we are going to rank them from 44 all the way up to one. And let's start at the bottom of the list with my least favorite Batman film. And these bottom three are actually part of the same series. These are three animated films that were produced in order to tie in with a specific Batman toy line. And number 44 is a film called Batman Unlimited Animal Instincts, an asteroid with a golden core is headed for the city, and a villain group called the Animalitia are fighting Batman. You should know by now that nobody likes a cheetah. Oh, come over here and we can hiss and make up. You also have the penguin mixed up in here. The penguin is going to crash an asteroid into Gotham City. He's going to use the robots to sort through the rubble to retrieve the gold at the center of it. Batman gets a robot dog motorcycle. And listen, this movie is squarely made for kids. There are other movies on here whose primary audience is probably aimed towards children, but I would say that these movies are only accessible to children. And because of that reason, they're at the bottom of my list. Batman Unlimited Animal Instincts is number 44. Batman Unlimited Monster Mayhem is number 43. This one is set at Halloween. There are a bunch of villains that take over the technology in Gotham, including Cyborg. You can beat them. I know you can. Get out of here. I'm not responsible for my action. This also is our first appearance of the Joker. Gotham City prepares for tonight's parade in honor of that beloved King Joker. I'll be counting how many times we see the Joker across all of these movies. Batman also literally fights the Batmobile and then Joker puts him in a virtual world. I can make you Fat Man. at the end of the day joker becomes a bunch of pterodactyls and batman rides a robot dinosaur then there's a world war ii plane listen these movies are secondary plot wise and everything else wise to producing more toys for people to buy so of course you have to have batman riding a dinosaur and then finally at number 42 the best of the batman unlimited films batman unlimited mechs vs. mutants Penguin and Mr. Freeze break a bunch of villains out of Arkham, and they use their blood to make a monster that wants to turn the world into ice. And then there's a big giant Batmech because cha-ching. I'm not going to lie, that Batmech is pretty cool. I would buy that toy, but I would not watch this movie or any of the other Batman Unlimited movies again. Let's go up to number 41, and this is another movie that's aimed mostly at kids. It's also a crossover, The Batman vs. Dracula. Penguin is digging up a grave to find some money when he accidentally revives Dracula, who's voiced by Peter Stormare, no joke. And you are Alucard. Dr. Alucard. That's a very clever pseudonym, Dracula. This is also our second appearance by the Joker. He gets turned into a vampire, but then is cured by Batman. So this is Joker number two, and also the first appearance of what I'm going to call Popcorn and Pearls, which would be the modern Batman origin story. It pops up a lot across animation and live action, and we have our first appearance of the tragic death of the Waynes. At the end of the day, Batman defeats Dracula with fake sunlight, all is well with the world, but not all as well with this movie. Because I did not think it was very good. At number 40 is a movie called Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. And this is actually a really frustrating movie because I loved the setup for this film. The world economy is collapsing. And in response, Lex Luthor is elected president. Luthor bans superheroes, surprise, surprise, but also has his own superhero team. And Superman is framed for the murder of Metallo, who is one of Luthor's enforcers. He's a danger to us all now, and himself as well. I am announcing a bounty on him in the amount of one billion dollars. This is a great setup, but then the last half of the movie is just mindless, numbing fight scene after fight scene after fight scene after all of these villains come out of the woodwork to try to collect the bounty on Superman. So what started as a really good premise really just becomes kind of a boring, repetitious fighting movie. Finally, Luther himself puts on some armor to fight Superman, and then we have Batman once again in a big robot blowing up a meteor that's made of kryptonite that was headed toward the planet. I have a feeling I'm not going to have to worry about that murder charge anymore. Would have been an interesting trial, though. Coming in at number 39, another movie that should have had a really great premise that just was not good, and that is an animated film called Batman and Harley Quinn. This sounds like a winner, right? You have Batman and one of the most popular characters of the late Batman era, and yet this movie is terrible. Harley is trying to go straight, working in a Hooters-type superhero establishment. She and Nightwing have a scene where I'm pretty sure they do it, but Nightwing doesn't really seem that into it, which makes it even more more questionable right now i just really need to find points face it sugar i got something you want and you sure as shooting got something i want there's also a great scene that really does deserve to go in the batman hall of fame where harley farts in the batmobile <laughs> Ugh, holy it's not so bad smells like discipline The whole thing ends at a big swamp showdown with Harley and Poison Ivy doing their Harley-Poison Ivy thing, but I was really shocked. I thought that this movie was going to be one of the standouts, and yet it comes in very low on the list. Oh, man. Coming in at number 38 is our first live-action film, and I don't think that you need to guess too hard to figure out which one it is. Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. The Iceman cometh. It's the final Batman film of what you might call the first true era of Batman cinema. And I understand, I guess, that there's some kind of a revisionist view of this movie that it actually knows what it is and it's kind of self-acknowledging that it's bad and it's meant to be bad. I don't buy any of it. Rubber lips are immune to your charms. This movie is just awful. It's fun to laugh at Arnold Schwarzenegger. I get it. He's got some great one-liners. What killed the dinosaurs? I do actually think he's the only one in the movie that does understand what's going on, but everything else in this movie is really awful. Batman can be campy and self-aware. We're going to see other movies on this list that I actually really liked that are campy. I don't think that Batman and Robin is one of them, and that's why it's at number 38 on my list at number 37 is another crossover it's scooby-doo and batman the brave and the bold the scooby gang are such great mystery solvers that batman inducts them into the mystery analysts of gotham this is the third appearance of the joker in the movies that we're seeing but as car chases go it was a gas Batman is kidnapped and eventually the Scooby gang dresses up in bat costumes Of course we have an unmasking I believe you kids are owed a true unmasking The Riddler? Riddler? I get the Scooby-Doo thing. I actually loved when I was a kid watching the Scooby-Doo crossover episode of uh, that was made, I think, in the 60s or 70s. This one, not so much. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, it had great ambitions, brave and bold ambitions, if you will, but didn't quite hit the mark for me. I almost forgot. A bat snack for Scooby. You've earned it. Ah. Holy Scooby-Dooby-Doo, Batman. At number 36 is actually the last of these movies that I would say I didn't particularly like or that I would be negative on, which is a great thing for Batman, meaning that 35 out of 44, I found something redeeming and would actually give somewhat of a positive review on. But number 36 is The Killing Joke. Again, there are so many movies here that should have been great. This is one of the most iconic, if not the most iconic Batman stories of all time, definitely the most iconic Joker story of all time. This is our fourth appearance of the joker first of all we have the prologue and again we have the two batman animated characters boning each other first we had harley quinn and nightwing now we have batman and barbara so something's still going on there but basically a completely useless and unnecessary prologue that only adds to this story's barbara gordon issues which it already had but it is a little flattering no he doesn't know you he's objectified you But then we get to the main attraction, Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, voicing these characters, huge story. Honestly, I found the voice performances in this really kind of lifeless and dull. Perhaps you'll kill me. Perhaps I'll kill you. Perhaps sooner, perhaps later. It doesn't have that energy that so many of the great Batman stories with these two voice actors have. This is an R-rated film. They didn't shy away from the darker elements, and yet it just really doesn't work. And it may be the biggest disappointment out of all of these, because even though I don't think it's the worst Batman movie, it certainly is the one that took great source material and just wasn't able to adapt it. Maybe this is one of those stories that was supposed to stay on the page and not go to the screen, but The Killing Joke is number 36. So let's move into the next tier. I would call it tier two. And the first film is a movie called Batman Mystery of the Batwoman. Now this movie is a little dated. First of all, Batwoman gets this really like kind of wannabe sexy jazz riff. And people are a little too surprised that there is a female crime fighter in Gotham. Geez Louise, it's a woman! Also Bruce is definitely dating Barbara Gordon in this one, so we still have lingering issues. Spring Break will be coming up soon, and I'll be back in Gotham for two whole weeks, won't that be nice? Yes. It's nothing special, but it's not bad, there's a little bit of a mystery here. The answer to that mystery is, uh, you know, kind of interesting. One of those things that's literally just kind of like, eh, you know, it's in the middle, Nothing that great, nothing too bad. That's why it's at number 35. At number 34 is a movie that really had me when I realized what it was and then just kind of lost me, and that is a movie called Batman's Soul of the Dragon, which has a great hook. It's kind of an Elseworlds Batman story. It's set in the 1970s, and it's a cross between, like, Roger Moore-era James Bond. You have a little bit of the Bruce Lee kung fu movie. Stylistically, it's a really cool way to sort of mix up the tropes for Batman. Bruce Wayne is a bachelor. He's got a swinging bachelor pad above a nightclub there's also some great batman training moments and stuff that kind of get into his mythology evil is as eternal as this rock even if you break the rock there will be pebbles break the pebbles there will be sand But honestly, the character of Batman is pretty unnecessary. It feels like they just kind of stuck Batman in there to throw some IP on top of this story. So while I liked the stylistic choices in here, I really didn't think it connected to Batman enough to really match how much I liked the setup for the movie. At number 33 is a movie called Lego DC Batman Family Matters. It is not the Lego movie. Will Arnett is not in it. But it is another telling of the Red Hood story, basically. It's about Jason Todd because this is aimed toward Towards a younger audience, he just left Batman and went on to become the Red Hood. We don't have any brutal beatings in this version of the story. You said I was dead? No. Why would you think that, Robin? Well, I don't know. But we have Batman, Batgirl, Batwoman, Nightwing, Robin. Red Hood, and it's all about Brother Eye, which is a new machine tasked with running Wayne Enterprises after Bruce Wayne sells the company. Of course, Two-Face is the one that bought the company, and he's threatening the city. It's a cute movie. Again, these Lego movies, even though it's not the Lego movie, they have enough cleverness to operate about one level above, in this case, just aiming it toward a kid audience. So it's an enjoyable watch, if not an outstanding one. I've sold my company to concentrate on crime-fighting full time. You what? What? Tell me that doesn't affect the trust funds you've set up, right? Right? At number 32 is a movie called Batman vs. Two-Face. It is Adam West's final performance as Batman before he passed away. Of course, it's a vocal performance. It's the second film that reunited Adam West and Burt Ward. We're going to talk about the first one a little bit later. And William Shatner is the voice of Two-Face in this movie. Batman and Bruce Wayne, one and the same. Bruce, how could you keep secrets from your old friend? Hugo Strange invents an evil extractor, which can suck the evil out of people. It ends up scarring Harvey Dent, who becomes Two-Face. Robin also gets doused with evil from this extractor, and he becomes an evil Two-Face. And this movie codifies the famous Batman slap. We actually get it animated in this movie. Uh-huh, huh Of course, there's some double entendre and wordplay. Batman, look at the size of those balls. And for those of you keeping count at home, this is also our fifth appearance of the Joker. Great Scott. That's it. He plans to turn all of Gotham into two faces. At number 31 is a movie that I really struggled with because it does mean a lot to me on a personal level. It came out when I was 12 years old, but I really had to be honest with myself and put at number 31, Batman Forever, the first film from Joel Schumacher. As much as I want to give it a pass for the campiness and the terribleness of a lot of it, I know that so much of it is also tied to my sentimentality. This movie was a departure following the too dark Batman Returns and it is a massive overcorrection. I know that I have too much affection for this movie, but I also recognize its shortcomings. Jim Carrey's energy was very of its time. Like the jacket? It keeps me safe when I'm jogging at night. And Nicole Kidman is pretty much there to want to bang Batman. I'll bring the wine. You bring your scarred psyche. The thing that sucks is that Val Kilmer is actually a decent Batman and this movie goes more in depth to his troubled childhood than any of the other live action movies really did save for some of the Nolan trilogy in a different world I think Batman Forever could have been one of the best Batman films but in a world where I have to be honest with myself it's down at number 31 on my list can I persuade you to take a sandwich with you sir I'll get drive-thru at number 30 is another Batman movie that I really enjoy, and I think is actually very enjoyable, and that is 1966's Batman The Movie with Adam West and Burt Ward. You risked your life to save that riff-raff in the bar? They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings. Some of it is unintentionally funny and kind of stuck in the 60s, but a lot of it is actually really clever writing. Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. That's what I like about the humor of this movie and of the 60s Batman TV show. They understood that it was a show for kids, and yet they also knew that adults were watching and put in stuff for them to enjoy as well. I've got it! Someone Russian is going to slip on a banana peel and break their neck. Precisely, Robin. The only possible meaning. This is also our sixth appearance of the Joker, played by the great Cesar Romero. And I'm actually glad that they were able to immortalize all of these portrayals. Frank Gorshin's Riddler, Lee Merriweather's Catwoman, Burgess Meredith's Penguin, and Cesar Romero's Joker. I know a lot of people say that this kind of thing gave Batman a bad name and is what caused people to run into the Tim Burton-verse. But I still enjoy watching Batman the Movie. At number 29 is a recent DC animated film. It also features the seventh appearance of the Joker, and that is the adaptation of the Injustice storyline. This is a very dark world. It opens with the Joker shooting and killing Jimmy Olsen. The Flash is killed soon after. Metropolis is nuked. Superman kills the Joker by punching through his body. Now that's... us um... And then we have Superman basically establishing himself as the global police. Of course, this is going to put him at odds with Batman. If we continue on this path, we go from policing to occupying to jailing then becoming tyrants. It is very much the dark timeline type story that we've seen so many times and one of those that puts Batman and Superman at odds. I think it might've been interesting to see what Zack Snyder would have done with this, but I also think this is a fairly decent adaptation for the animated side. And I'm glad it's one of the places that DC is willing to go still full R to embrace the real darkness of some of these storylines. Okay, brace yourself at number 28. I know I'm certainly bracing myself. At number 28, I have Christopher Nolan's trilogy capper, The Dark Knight Rises. Now, I'd like to remind you, this is in a tier of movies that I still enjoy, although I know a lot of people are going to say that this is far too low, but if I'm 100% honest, I've never been the biggest fan of this particular entry in the Nolan trilogy, and I actually like it a little bit less and less as time goes on. If I pull that off, will you die? It would be extremely painful. You're a big guy. For you. I don't think it's bad, I just don't think it's great. I think it has a lot of logical fallacies and timing issues that don't really seem to work. Bane is a memorable villain, but I don't necessarily think that he's a great one. And a lot of it just seems overly complicated. A lot of the Occupy Gotham rhetoric feels dated. I don't think that Catwoman is used particularly well. And the ending is one time where I think that Nolan could have used more ambiguity than he actually gives us. The other two Nolan films, which you won't see for quite some time on this countdown, which is a good thing, are really sharply on point. But I've always found The Dark Knight Rises to be an overlong jumble with some great Batman moments, but ultimately lacking in overall story. Hero can be anyone. Even a man doing something as simple and reassuring as putting a coat around a young boy's shoulders to let him know the world had At number 27 is an animated film that came in really hyped, but I did not enjoy as much as others seemed to. Batman Gear 1. And I think a big part of the reason is Ben McKenzie, who voices Batman in this movie. His voiceover is lethargic. It sounds like he is sleepwalking through this movie. From here, it looks like an achievement. From here, you can't see the enemy. Brian Cranston actually voices Commissioner Gordon, and I liked his performance in the film. This is Batman Year One, so we have Gordon being assigned to Gotham, we have Batman learning how to be Batman, and we have our second appearance of the Batman origin of our Popcorn and Pearls. They will be back many, many more times. At number 26 is another Lego movie, Lego Batman, the movie DC Superheroes Unite, which features Clancy Brown as the voice of Lex Luthor, which is always a delight. This is our eighth appearance of the Joker. Beyond these walls, friend, lie the keys to the destruction of Superman. And Batman too, right? Forced into an alliance with Superman, Batman is very annoyed by his superhero wannabe buddy. Robin... We can't go through life expecting Superman or anyone else to save us whenever things get tough. Likes Luther Steele some kryptonite, which Joker then builds into a robot. Yes, another giant robot. And then at the very end of the movie, the DC superheroes actually unite. The whole Justice League part is not until very, very late in the movie. This is very much a Batman and Superman story. And again, While I don't think that the humor here was as good as the Lego movie, I chuckled quite a bit. It's one that I enjoyed. I'm not going to put it up in the upper echelon, but that's because those movies are so good, and not really that this one is bad. At number 25 is one of the most disturbing movies that I've seen of all the Batman movies. It is Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. It is our ninth appearance of the Joker. And I have to admit that I never really watched Batman Beyond. Perhaps if I did, I would have ranked it higher, but I don't have really any kind of sentimental attachment to this version or this iteration of the Batman story. We have Terry McGinnis, who's the new Batman. We have Mark Hamill returning to voice the Joker. The stuff that really does work in this is the whole story with Tim Drake, We get a flashback where the Joker poisons Tim Drake and he basically becomes a Joker. It's really disturbing stuff. And then we catch up at the end with Tim Drake, who's had an implant in his head. So basically the Joker is supposed to be gone. He keeps showing up. And it turns out that there's been like a Joker sleeper cell inside Tim Drake's brain that allows him to physically transform into the Joker. I think if there'd been more surrounding this third act, then this movie would be a lot higher on my list. But it did make me want to look more into Batman Beyond. I know a lot of people are fans of that show and are probably yelling at their monitors right now because this movie isn't higher. But again, I'm not saying this movie is bad just that I enjoyed a lot of the other ones that much more. At number 24 is a sequel to one of the movies that was lower on my list that I actually enjoyed much more than the original film and that is Superman Batman Apocalypse. It is a sequel to Public Enemies but way better. The kryptonite meteorite that was in the previous film uh, hits Gotham Harbor and we meet Kara Zor-El who is Superman's cousin aka Supergirl. Wonder Woman takes her to Paradise Island for training. We have an army of doomsdays that attack and then uh, we go to Apocalypse with Darkseid. We have a Supergirl versus Superman fight. We have Batman outsmarting our villain by threatening to blow up Apocalypse if he doesn't let everybody go. And then we have a great third act showdown between Superman and Darkseid after a brutal fight that also sets up a future for Kara as Supergirl. So allow me to reintroduce my cousin Kara Zor-El. Or as the world will come to know her Supergirl. At number 23 is a movie called Son of Batman. It's part of an overall arc in the DC animated universe about Damian Wayne, who is, you guessed it, the son of Batman. In this movie, the League of Assassins is attacked by Deathstroke, also known as Slade Wilson, who is Ra's al Ghul's or Ra's al Ghul's, depending on which movie you're watching, former right-hand. Ra's al Ghul is seemingly killed, and Talia drops Damien, who Bruce Wayne finds out is his son, off to spend some time with his daddy. Damien is a little bit of a square. Leave harlots. All oh, right, get out of oh, I'm not this. But Batman decides to make him the new Robin. Another one? I'll explain later. There's a really, really well animated fight scene between Damian and Deathstroke where we see just how proficient he is having grown up in the League of Assassins. And then we have this great decision point where he decides not to kill Deathstroke and to stay with his father. We will continue with Damian Wayne. I actually liked the other Batman movies with Damian Wayne better than this one, but this one is also still really enjoyable. At number 22 is another standalone Batman story. It's animated and it's called Batman Gotham by Gaslight. It's an alternate history Batman tale where an old version of Gotham City is being menaced by a killer very similar to Jack the Ripper. Bruce Wayne is thought to be the Ripper and he has to find the real killer and unmask him in order to save himself. There's a great Zeppelin fight between Batman and the Ripper. There is a Ferris wheel fight sequence. And then this kind of proto-origin story where Tim Drake, Dick Grayson, and Jason Totter are all these street urchins who were taken in by Alfred as they pledged to commit themselves to fighting crime in Gotham, I think it mixes a lot of great things, a lot of the great Batman elements. The story didn't grab me, which is why it's a little bit lower on this list, but it is one of the most unique of the Batman films, and if you're looking for something different outside of the norm, then it's a great choice. At number 21 is one of the Justice League movies that I included in this countdown. It's Justice League Doom, and the reason that I included it is because Batman is the key element of this story. It is the vaunted story where a supervillain, this time Vandal Savage, steals Batman's secret plans to disable the Justice League. There is a dark scene where Bane digs up Bruce Wayne's parents and then all of the Justice League members are disabled using the plans that Batman himself drew up. I love that there is this confrontation scene between the Justice League and Batman where they're like, why'd you do this? And he's like, because it'd be stupid not to. That's why I developed plans for containing any or all members of the JLA should the need ever arise. None of us would ever do that to you. Then you're damn fools. I always love these stories where we see just how intelligent Batman is. And it's very interesting to see his own scenarios for disabling each one of these. They're not all just, oh, I'm going to blow him up in an explosion. It just goes to show you how smart Batman is. We get the culmination with him leaving the Justice League. My actions don't require any defense. In the same situation, I do it again. Oh come on! But also the great Superman-Batman moment where Superman once again entrusts Batman with a kryptonite bullet as a means to kill him. With all that talk about unchecked power, you're still so arrogant you didn't bother to come up with a plan to stop yourself. I do have a plan. It's called the Justice League. At number 20, oh, get ready. Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice Ultimate Edition. And I will say I have come around a lot on this film since it was released. The fact that it is this high up in the tier of movies that I enjoy says a lot about where I consider this film based on when it came out back in 2016. Now, a big part is this Ultimate Edition, which I think makes it a better film. For some reason with these films, Zack Snyder has been able to make much better versions of the movies that he wants to make. It's just that they never ever see the inside of theaters. I have to wonder what it would have been like if Warner Brothers had allowed him to put these longer cuts in theaters because both this version and to an even greater extent Zack Snyder's Justice League are much more complete versions of stories than what we eventually got. Now the Ultimate Edition still doesn't fix a lot of my big issues with the film like Lex Luthor in general and a lot of major plot points but it has improved with age particularly in context of Zack Snyder's Justice League where I understand where some of what seems like random elements are coming from that pop up in this film. I would also be remiss if I didn't mention that Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice includes our third version of the Batman origin story slash murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne and the popcorn and pearls. I have to admit it there were a lot of people that said that uh, these were underappreciated films and while I don't think that they are works of genius as many people do I have warmed to this movie over time so even though you may think it's a little too low at number 20 I was actually surprised by how high it was after i did my rewatch but i came into this saying i'm going to look at each one of these movies objectively and try to rank it as fairly as i can and that's where i wound up on batman v superman At number 19 is a movie that's basically six mini-movies about Batman. It's called Batman Gotham Night, and it has some really great stories. A lot of them have different animation styles. You have one where a bunch of kids are talking about their encounters with Batman, basically as this mythological figure. There's another where we have two Gotham cops that are caught in a gang war crossfire and a great Batman fight scene against the gang. One where Batman's trying a new suit that deflects bullets, but refuses to use it after it kills a goon. I'm willing to put my life on the line to do what I have to, but it has to be mine no one else's there's a great 2d animated sequence where batman is in the sewers with commissioner gordon he gets infected with fear toxin killer croc is down there as well and then basically a continuation of that one which is him flashing back to doing volunteer work in india and basically learning how to do these things and then being sent away because he's not going to use them for the right reasons and then finally a short featuring deadshot where batman saves commissioner gordon and fights deadshot but it also features our fourth iteration of popcorn and pearls a lot of Sometimes these anthology films can go either way but i actually really liked batman gotham knight because it does speak to the myth of batman and that's what i thought was so well done in this film at number 18 is another part of the damian wayne saga batman bad blood batman is presumed dead after an explosion which causes dick grayson to take over as batman and damian returning to be robin i could have handled this alone if that's your best batman you're not gonna fool anyone Grayson. We also bring in Batwing and Batwoman. Ultimately, we have all five of these heroes, the Bat family, teaming up. This also features a brief appearance from Barbara Gordon in her role as Batgirl and our fifth iteration of the murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne, popcorn and pearls. At number 17 is the first film that reunited Adam West and Burt Ward in the animated form, Batman Return of the Caped Crusaders. And I just found this movie delightful. I thought it was really funny. I laughed throughout. I'm a fan of the 1960s Batman TV show, which I'm sure helps. Jaywalking is extremely hazardous, especially at night. Quickly, Robin, to the crosswalk. I mean, this is a movie that has Catwoman tying Batman and Robin to a giant TV dinner going into an oven. What more could you want? You also have the villains going to space. There's a zero-G fight scene. There's a reference to my favorite Michael Keaton line. You wanna get nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. We also get our 10th appearance of the Joker. If you like a meta look at the Batman series as a whole, not just the 60s TV show, in the vein of the Lego Batman movie, I would recommend Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders. We run away to Europe together, sip tea in a cafe and live happily ever after holy unsatisfying ending at number 16 is the last film in what i call tier 2 After this point, we're moving really into my top tier of Batman movies that I really, really liked. This sounds like a terrible idea, but it's called Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's about the Turtles fighting the Foot Clan in Gotham City. We also have a great fight scene between Batman and the Shredder. And as always happens when superheroes meet each other, they have to fight briefly before they team up. And I love that the Turtles are really mystified that there's this one guy who's able to beat them. Because who's a better ninja than the Teenage Mutant Ninja? Turtles? Batman. It ultimately turns out that Shredder is working with Ra's al Ghul slash Ra's al Ghul to turn Gotham City into animals using ooze to destroy the city. So I love when you have two supervillains that have complementary plots. It makes sense that Shredder brings the ooze, Ra's al Ghul gets his wish to destroy Gotham City. We also get our 11th appearance of the Joker. He gets transformed along with a bunch of other Arkham inmates. We have a great Leonardo-Batman team up. Leonardo's my favorite Ninja Turtle. Batman's my favorite superhero. So that's really cool. We also have some pretty dark stuff. Leo sees his brothers getting killed when he's injected by fear gas, which is pretty dark imagery. We also have Batman getting injected with a combination of ooze and Joker venom which turns him briefly into a giant bat. It all culminates in a big fight scene at Ace Chemicals with the Turtles taking on Ra's al Ghul, and we get a tag with a potential Joker Shredder, which is even better than the Super Shredder, in my opinion. You can't leave now. It's pizza time. Moving on now to my tier 1 movies, and these would be my 15 favorite Batman films of all time, and we'll start with number 15, which is the Lego Batman movie. Maybe the most complex examination of the Batman-Joker relationship in just about any movie. This is also the 12th appearance of the Joker in a Batman film. What we have is special. So when people ask you who's your number one bad guy, you say... will arnett is a great batman it's funny it has the batman in jokes it stands outside of the batman mythology but still takes its place in it and i love that you're still telling the story about batman's fear of attachment but you're also able to do these really crazy wacky silly things it is a great combination of making a batman movie for adults and making a batman movie for kids probably the best combination of any of these films which is why it's number 15 on my list My name's Richard Grayson, but all the kids at the orphanage call me dick. Well, children can be cruel. Yeah. At number 14 is the other movie that was made in the Batman the Animated Series style and continuity, and that's a movie called Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero, which is maybe my favorite Mr. Freeze story of all time, and that's saying something. We open with Mr. Freeze living in the Arctic, still trying to heal his wife Nora, until she's injured and Barbara Gordon is needed to give her a blood transfusion. We have a big fight on Mr. Freeze's headquarters on this drilling platform, Form. Take them first You can come back for me. And then we had this beautiful final shot of Mr. Freeze basically living his life in exile. I think if you just take the origin story of Mr. Freeze that was told in Batman the Animated Series, which was fantastic, and then this, this is a great sort of beginning and end story for this character. This is a movie that did not come out theatrically. It was released direct to video, but it is almost as good as the other Batman animated series film, which we're going to see in just a little bit. At number 13 is a movie that takes place in the continuity of the Batman. Batman Arkham video games, which I really love. It's called Batman Assault on Arkham. This is also Joker appearance number 13. Here we have the Suicide Squad, including King Shark, Black Spider, Captain Boomerang, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, and Killer Frost. We have another example of two of our characters doing it, deadshot and harley do the deed i got an itch i thought you could help me scratch cowboy there's a great scene between batman and the entire suicide squad in the property room at arkham asylum and then the joker because he's the joker releases all of arkham inmates we have a great deadshot joker fight on a helicopter which ends with the possible death of the joker but again everything that you would really want from an arkham asylum story maybe the best suicide squad story i don't know the suicide squad is also pretty good but certainly better than the 2016 film and like I said I love the Arkham games I like that this is part of that continuity just a really solid feature for both Batman and all of these other characters at number 12 is Batman Returns and this is another one that I'm sure people will say is way too low and I just want to say this right off the bat Michelle Pfeiffer is phenomenal in this film you make it so easy don't you always waiting for some Batman to save you I am Catwoman. Hear me roar. Her performance is one of the best performances in any superhero film ever. So this is no judgment on her. I love Michael Keaton as Batman. I love the dynamic between Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne. Oh my God. Does this mean we have to start fighting? If it was just that, I think this movie would be a lot higher. However, I just don't like Danny DeVito's Penguin that much. I thought he was pretty okay when I was a kid, but I just don't find him pleasant. And I know that unpleasant villains are something that you see in a lot of superhero movies, but he's just not that interesting to me. Maybe because I've seen the character done better in other movies and TV shows. Everything that's related to Batman and Catwoman is fantastic, but I found Batman Returns slipping a little bit down my list, even though stylistically it's great and so many other great performances the penguin here really the weak link for me and when i really have to come down to it i mean we're getting to my top 10 movies i've got to just start sort of crossing things off my list based on big problems that i have and the penguin is one of them you don't really think you'll win do you things change next up at number 11 just outside the top 10 is one of the most acclaimed batman animated films batman under the red hood this is the 14th appearance of the joker and he plays a big part in the story because this is about jason todd who is believed to have been killed by the joker when in fact he was taken by the joker to raz al ghul who puts him in the lazarus pit he's resurrected and returns to gotham full of vengeance as the criminal red hood who's looking to take over all crime and Gotham. Those are the heads of all your lieutenants. That took me two hours. You want to see what I can get done in a whole evening? I love the climactic showdown in this film with Jason basically saying either I'm going to kill the Joker or you have to kill me. We have a great moral quandary for Batman and his no kill rule, which is why I like when that rule is employed in movies and TV shows. And then we have this kind of tragic flashback to a young and happy Jason Todd and then what he would become This is the best day of my life. This is a really solid adaptation, one of the best Batman stories ever told. And if you haven't watched the DC animated films, there are so many great Batman storylines that are adapted well, and that are worth your time. Breaking into the top 10 now, we have another Batman animated film that is an adaptation of a comic book storyline, and that is Batman Hush. Lady Shiva from the League of Assassins shows up to tell Batman that someone has been using the Lazarus Pit, but Batman has even more trouble because there is a mysterious villain named Hush after him, and he's working with Poison Ivy, who has taken over control of many of Batman's allies, including Superman. We have a great Batman-Superman fight in Metropolis, where it's revealed that Batman has kryptonite brass knuckles, which is awesome. We also have Hush blackmailing Harley Quinn by taking Joker hostage, so this is our 15th appearance of the Joker. We get a big reveal here, where Bruce reveals his secret identity to Selina Kyle, and they do it. That meow. I feel the same. We also get the Riddler coming into play in a very surprising way as we get to the bottom of this mystery and a great final showdown in a warehouse. I love that one of Batman's main weapons in this fight is just talking the Riddler. You tell riddles a fifth grader could solve and you call yourself the Riddler. The sheer lack of imagination is staggering. We also get this great separation between Batman and Catwoman where he has his code, a code that she can't share that ultimately drives a wedge between them. Without a code, I'm no better than them. At number nine is the final Damien Wayne story that I included, and it is a movie called Batman vs. Robin. It starts with Robin fighting a supervillain called the Dollmaker. There are two things that are extremely disturbing. One, the Dollmaker is one of the most twisted supervillains of them all. The second being, he's voiced by Weird Al Yankovic, the most lovable person on the planet. As children, they're helpless, but as dolls, As dolls, no one can ever hurt them again. This is called Batman vs. Robin, but it's also an adaptation of the Court of Owls storyline, where we have a group of powerful Gothamites who run the city from the shadows. They're one of the few people that can actually beat the crap out of Batman, and they recruit Robin in order to kill criminals, which is something that Robin has been tempted to do from the very beginning. It makes Robin realize that Batman has been holding him back as he decides to join the Court of Owls. Now let's go home. My home isn't with you. It never was. The Owl Storm, Wayne Manor. We have Bruce and Nightwing fighting it out. There's another mech suit. Alfred gets a shotgun, which is one of the best Alfred moments of all time. This also involves the sixth iteration of the popcorn and Pearl's death of Thomas and Martha Wayne. At number 8 is a movie that a lot of people may not have very high. From what I've seen, it has kind of a love it or hate it reaction. I really, really liked it. It is an anime Batman story called Batman Ninja. We will master the ways of the ninja. Our weapons will be everything that exists. And it is definitely the most singular of all of the Batman movies that I saw. It is completely in the anime style. Batman is transported back to feudal Japan after a fight with Gorilla Grodd. All of the bad guys have arrived before him and have become the daimyo of their own states. We have Poison Ivy, Penguin Deathstroke, Two-Face, Joker, and Harley Quinn. But the villains have also applied their knowledge of technology to these feudal Japanese castles. So we have castles that move, castles that are like big tanks, and then we bring all of the supervillains together toward the end as they basically build one giant mech. Yes, it's another big giant robot. But then we also have like crazy things like Gorilla Grodd's monkey army, which Robin is able to control by playing a flute. And the monkeys form to make one huge monkey samurai to fight the big villain mech. Then we have bats that join and they form like a huge Batman. We have Batman and Joker getting into a sword fight. There is some crazy stuff in this movie and I think you're either going to go with it or you're not going to go with it. I really, really liked it. It is up there in this top 10 for me because I didn't see any movie that was even close to this. I love the style of the movie. I think the animation is beautiful. And again, I don't really have a hard and fast rule about what Batman can or should be. I like that this movie goes to all of the absolutely insane places that it goes. And that's why Batman Ninja, the 16th movie to feature the Joker, is at number eight the 17th movie to feature the Joker that's at number 7 on my list is another DC animated film it's actually a two-parter that I'm regarding as one long movie and that is the adaptation of maybe the most influential Batman story or at least the most influential of modern times The Dark Knight Returns this also features the 7th iteration of the death of Martha and Thomas Wayne our popcorn and pearls and this movie actually does what The Killing Joke was trying to do which is to faithfully and effectively adapt an extremely famous graphic novel storyline to the animated format. Batman is voiced by Peter Weller. Joker is voiced by Michael Emerson. You have the Reagan era commentary with Superman basically being the United States lapdog. So much of this was adapted into the Batman V Superman arc. Clark. This is between you and me. I also love that this is an extremely lethal Joker probably the most psychotic version of the Joker, even in things like The Killing Joke. This really takes everything that's great about the graphic novel and brings it to life in the animated form. It doesn't really change that much because it doesn't need to. And if you're a fan of the graphic novel or you haven't read it and you want to see a good, really good adaptation of it in the animated form, this is a great, great version. At number six is a Justice League movie and bear with me here. It is Justice League, The Flashpoint Paradox. And I know what you're saying. Wait a minute, wait a minute. This isn't a Batman story, this is a Flash story. And yes, you are absolutely right, this is a story about the Flash waking up in a world where he was able to save his mom, but that also completely changed the layout of everything. Aquaman and Wonder Woman are at war with each other and Batman is not Bruce Wayne, he is Thomas Wayne. Bruce is actually the one that is killed in this version of the mythology. And so while Bruce Wayne himself is not Batman, Batman does play a major role in this storyline. He is a huge ally for the Flash. this really horrific sequence where he's trying to regain his powers and almost kills himself by burning himself with chemicals at Wayne Manor and you also get one of my favorite Batman moments of all time which is when Flash is able to set the timeline right he's able to give Bruce Wayne a note from his father I know that most people would say well this doesn't belong on a Batman list but I think this is a key moment in Batman mythology and a moment where we're able to connect the father who died too soon and the son who spent his life avenging his death. You are one hell of a messenger. Thank you. We are now getting into the top five and my number five movie is another two-parter. It's a recent Batman animated film and it is the adaptation of Batman, The Long Halloween, which is also a de facto origin story for Harvey Dent slash Two-Face. There's a serial killer called Holiday that keeps committing murders on major holidays. We start the film on Halloween. We have the 18th appearance of the Joker as he escapes Arkham and is also causing trouble. We also have a very intricate story about the underworld of Gotham, which is a big thing that Harvey Dent is trying to do in other Batman films and TV shows. I love the twist here where Bruce gets entranced by Poison Ivy and has to sign over his company. He's then injected with fear toxin by the Scarecrow. We get our eighth iteration of The Murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne, Popcorn and Pearls, number eight. And what I love about this movie, one of the reasons it's in my top five, is it really is a great showcase for almost every single major Batman character. I'm glad they made this a two parter and didn't rush through this because you have great scenes with Two Face, Joker, Scarecrow, Catwoman, Batman, Gordon. So many of the key Batman figures that are written so well. I love the animation style. This is a great primer. Or if you're a Batman fan that just likes to see the rogues gallery, Batman, the long Halloween, both parts are well worth your time. He's asking if the good guys won. Yes, the good guys won, but we won't know for a very long time if it was worth it. At number four is the 19th movie to feature the Joker. It was also the first time that Batman hit the big screen in animated form and that is Batman Mask of the Phantasm, released at the same time as the Batman animated series was on the air. It is the only wide theatrical release for both Kevin Conroy's Batman and Mark Hamill's Joker. The Killing Joke received a limited theatrical release. And this was a movie that was able to take on the Batman origin story while also introducing an original villain in the Phantasm. I like how they tie this villain to Bruce Wayne's past. It was allowed to push the boundaries even further of what Batman could be. And I remember being being kind of shocked when I was a kid that you could see the Joker bleeding in this fight scene with Batman because that's not something that you saw very much in an animated series at all but they had that extra leeway because they were going the theatrical route this movie's success creatively if not at the box office is really what launched the DC animated universe and has given us so many great adaptations of Batman stories while this is an original story for the most part it is such a great Batman Joker story it's a great Bruce Wayne story there's so many key elements to Batman and and I said this many times before Kevin Conroy's the animated series Batman is my favorite iteration of the character overall across any media so this is one of my favorite Batman films and one you should check out especially if you are a fan of the animated series and have not yet seen it I always feared you would become that which you fought against you walk the edge of that abyss every night next up is the 20th Batman film on this countdown to feature the Joker and I'm sure it's one that many of you will think is way too high however this for me is the movie that made me fall in love with Batman to begin with. Tim Burton's 1989 Batman is number three on my list. It is the first film to feature the popcorn and pearls murder of Thomas and Martha Wayne. They'd always been murdered, but this was the first time on screen that we got that iconography that would be replicated so many other times. Michael Keaton, Jack Nicholson, for me, for so many years, they were Batman and the Joker. We've had lots of other great versions since. Wait till they get a load of me. The thing to keep in mind is I'm not doing this countdown based on what I think your top Batman films might be. They are what my top Batman films are and this was such an important thing not only for Batman but for movies for me that I really can't see it through anyone else's eyes but my own. If I'm going to put on any Batman movie, odds are it's going to be this movie. What are you? I'm Batman. And I think that it kind of gets a bad rap. I've seen it kind of dismissed as cheesy or out of date. I think that Tim Burton's style, the gothic style of Gotham City is something that is carried on. Tonally, it's something that was really picked up and carried on by other filmmakers, both in animation and live action after this. Yes, the Prince music is a little bit dated. Yes, some of the special effects aren't great, but I will stand by this film as a great version of the Batman mythos. Sure, Batman 89 may not be one of your favorite Batman movies, but it sure is one of mine and that is because for so long Michael Keaton defined the character and in many ways for me will always define the character. Now you wanna get nuts! Come on, let's get nuts. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? If you're doing the arithmetic in your head, then you probably know what numbers two and one on my list are. And this was actually really difficult for me. I was going back and forth for quite some time about which one of these movies was going to be number 2 and which one of these movies was going to be number 1 and ultimately I settled on my number 2 film as 2005's Batman Begins from Christopher Nolan his first film in the Dark Knight trilogy and the movie that contains perhaps the largest volume of my favorite Batman moments in general I swear to god swear to me. We do have the 10th iteration of the popcorn and pearl scene with Thomas and Martha Wayne carrying on from Tim Burton's 1989 Batman, but we don't get too swamped in the things that we know about the origin story. I like that they're modernizing it. I like that they explain how Batman got his gear. I like that they're showing that these are all different Wayne Tech things. It feels grounded, and yet it doesn't feel like it's so grounded that it's not about a guy dressing up uh, as a bat and fighting crime in Gotham City. What bats lost the wing? That's frightened me time my enemies shared my dread. There's so many visuals that I love from the ice fight between Ra's al Ghul and Bruce Wayne to Batman hanging off the rainy building when he's throwing the stuff over to Joffrey. And it also has my favorite ending and my favorite Batman moment overall of any movie or TV show. I never said thank you. And you'll never have to. Batman Begins had a very difficult job, which was to sort of revive Batman cinematically after Batman and Robin had sort of burned through a lot of audience goodwill. And it would be at the top of my list easily if it weren't for the next film in the Batman trilogy. And that is my number one movie. It is the 21st film to feature the Joker, and that is 2008's The Dark Knight. To them, you're just a freak. Like me almost every countdown of Batman movies is going to be predictable because they're going to name the Dark Knight number one. And I thought about shaking things up and saying like, well, what if I put Dark Knight 2 and Batman begins at number one? But I have to go with what my heart says. And I really don't think you get much better all around than this film. From the depiction of the Joker, Heath Ledger, one of the best performances of all time, not just in the comic book medium, but I just think of all time. His take on this character is so singular, so intimidating and yet comical I can't think of another performance like it, and there are very few that could even come close. I'm a man of my word. We have the origin story of Two-Face, which is extremely tragic. Aaron Eckhart, great as this character. Yes, there are individual elements in other Batman films that I've liked better singularly, but overall, as far as the scope of it, the design of it, the execution of it, the direction, the cinematography, the acting, the overall package, I don't know how we're ever really gonna get much better than The Dark Knight. Of course, we have a movie coming out in a week that could top this movie, but I don't think that any Batman movie should ever be expected to top The Dark Knight because it really is lightning in a bottle from an acting sense stylistically. It may very well be that this version of Batman is unmatched, but is that really so bad when the movie that it's produced is something like The Dark Knight? So what did you think? Obviously the number one was pretty predictable, but what about the other 43 films? Were there some that were too high, some that were too low, some that you didn't see that maybe you've decided to see after watching this video? Let me know down in the comments below. This was so much fun to do. If there are other things that you want me to rank, like I said, the ranking videos are fun, but I always want to put kind of a spin on them. I don't want to do just Star Wars movies or or just take a very small amount of a filmography. I liked doing this so much, and I'd love suggestions for other things I could do in in the future, if you liked what you saw, I'd love it if you consider being a patron of mine over at patreoncom Merle. Thank you so much for watching, and I want to thank the sponsor for today's video, NordVPN. If you don't know what a VPN, it stands for Virtual Private Network. It's basically a service that protects your internet connection and privacy online by hiding your IP address and allowing you to use public Wi-Fi hotspots safely. Another bonus feature for NordVPN users: if you are a movie or TV TV fan, which let's face it, if you're watching this channel, you are. Depending on which server you're signed into, you can access things like different versions of Netflix globally or the BBC iPlayer, meaning that you have access to so many more movies and TV shows globally than you would otherwise. You can use it on your mobile devices and anywhere in the world. Nord has over 5,200 servers in 60 countries, no limits, no borders, no internet censorship, and one account lets you secure up to six devices. And you can enjoy online privacy and security with NordVPN. Grab your exclusive deal by going to Nord vpn.com slash merle that's nord n-o-r-d vpn.com slash merle m-u-r-r-e-l-l or use the code merle to get a huge discount off your nordvpn plan plus one additional month for free and a bonus gift plus it is completely risk-free with nord's 30-day money back guarantee i want to thank nordvpn for sponsoring the show and i want to thank you for watching until next time stay safe bye